You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the very special series that I'm doing on the Disability After Dark feed, Palsy and the Pandemic, where I sit down with disabled people as we make our way through this trash fire of a pandemic, and we talk to disabled people specifically about their experiences during the pandemic because we are not getting enough coverage a year in of our needs as people with disabilities during the pandemic. So I wanted to create a whole series on it, and you heard the first season, which was called Quarantine and Chill, and this is season two called Palsy and the Pandemic. So let's get comfy, cozy, crippled, and pandemic together. Let's get started. My guest today on Palsy and the Pandemic is my new friend, Barb Zablotny, who is a person with a disability who actually contracted COVID. And she reached out to me with an email a few weeks ago and said, I want to be a part of this show because I have disabilities and I actually am recovering from COVID. And I was like, I want to talk to you because I think it's important that we hear from disabled people who have lived through COVID and what the experience was like for them. So Barb tells us about a little bit about her disabilities and her spinal cord injury and when she became disabled and then how she contracted COVID on December 17th. She started showing her first symptoms and kind of what that was like for her. And she describes it as, you know, kind of being hit with a ton of bricks and being unable to breathe and feeling like there was a huge weight on your chest. And she also describes the awful medical treatment that she received trying to go to the ER when she was scared of her symptoms. And she rolled into the ER and told her, told the nurse that she had symptoms and the nurse treated her quite poorly. So we talk about medical ableism in the time of COVID plus so much more. Barb tells us about the way that some people in the community that she has seen with disabilities don't believe that COVID is real. We have a whole big, long conversation about a lot of stuff around COVID, but I loved being able to hear from Barb, and I love being able to talk about her experiences. She also talks about her time as Miss Wheelchair Pennsylvania 2018, which is super awesome, and what she's done with that platform. So we talk about a lot on this palsy and the pandemic, but most importantly, I think it was important to hear from somebody with disabilities living through COVID, actually COVID, and what that meant for her. And I think this just drives home the point that we have to take this very seriously. So without further ado, enjoy the the second episode of my new series, Palsy and the Pandemic, right here on the Disability After Dark feed, right now. Barb's of Blotney, hello! Hey, how are you doing? Good, I'm so happy to have you on the show, and it feels like we're just jumping into the conversation we had 10 minutes ago. We've been on, we've been talking on this record, this Zoom for like 20 minutes before we actually pressed record about so many different things. Um, I'm so happy to have you here today. Can you introduce yourself to the palsy and the pandemic audience and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do? Yeah, so um, 
my name is Barb Zablotny. <clears throat> Please excuse any voice fluctuations I have. Um, we'll get into that, but um, I am, um, I guess I just got thrown into this disability world. Um, I acquired my um, disability because of a car accident that um, left me having a T10 um, spinal cord injury. And um, I literally live in the middle of nowhere. Like, so where I live is the town next to where flight 93 crashed on 9-11. So literally nowhere, Pennsylvania is where I live. And um, for the better part of a decade, I kept to myself. I didn't talk to anyone else with a disability. I didn't network, you know, um, back then the internet wasn't what it was today for disabled people. Yeah. So, you know, I literally was on my own and, um, you know, I didn't know anything about disability culture. I didn't know, I didn't know anything. And so, um, I just kind of, you know, kept to myself. And then, um, a family friend was like, Hey, here's this thing from, for Miss Wiltshire, Pennsylvania, you should do it. I'm like, um, hello, I'm covered in tattoos. Like I have a full sleeve and I'm not a pageant girl. So no, that ain't going to work. But like a gut feeling told me like, you need to look into this further. And once I did, I realized it was an advocacy based organization. And for years, I'm like, I wish that someone would just listen to me. And, um, I got my wish when I won this title. Um, I went into it going, oh, I'm not going to win. It'll just be something fun to do. And then I won, surprise, surprise. And I was like, whoa, what do I do now? And I just was thrown full throttle into this um, disability world. And I went into it going, you know, I don't know anything. And I'm going to be open to everything to learn as much as I can about other experiences um, and other perspectives. And um, that's how I kind of continued my reign. Um, my reign was um, based on my platform, which was changing ignorance with education and inclusion. And the crazy part is when I went to nationals, um, I realized all these other girls were experiencing the same thing I was. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And then I learned the word ableism and it literally changed my, it validated my whole existence. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing or a word. Um, and how old are you? I am 34. And you learned the word ableism? 2018. Because I kept. Wow. 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 I mean, yeah, right? and again, no shade, no like, oh my God, you shouldn't know the Tinder. I'm saying what, what did I think that's what, did, what I think is cool about that is that like, is that like people don't know what the word is and people who have had years on this planet doing disability centered work or being disabled don't know what the word is. And so I'm really happy you know it now. Awesome. Great. Yes, I, it was, I, it literally was so, I want to say it was almost empowering in the fact that, you know, like I was calling it ignorance and it is right. But like to be able to have something to describe it as, and to essentially validate what I'm experiencing and that this is not just some attack against me, but this is attack against all my people. 
you know, is one of those things that I was just like, holy shit. Like, I'm allowed to It's sleep. a light bulb. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's, it's called Disability After Dark, and we talk about sex and fucking here. It's that's that's it's, pretty much what I thought. But, you yeah, know, I want to make sure since it was, you know, a different, you know, realm here. <laughs> no, no, you're safe. You're safe. It's good. But yeah, uh. so it was a very, um, you know, life altering experience. And then of course, just being around other disabled people for the first time, like in my like life, like I'm in a room full of just everyone in a wheelchair and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, my mind's exploding now. And, um, and you became was, disabled. You, you you sustained your injury when? I was 21 years old. Okay. So you've been a wheelchair user for like 13 years. I mean, that's, you're still pretty much a, a baby gimp, I would say. Like, yeah. you're still, you're still learning the ropes. Yeah, it's still, it depends. Cause like now I talk to like, you know, people who are like one, two, three, four, five years in, and I'm like, oh, you baby gimp. <laughs> and now, <laughs> and then they look at me like I'm like, you know, I know more. And it's like, this is interesting, you know, but um, yeah, like it was the whole experience was, it just changed my life. Um, and then you say that it changed your life for the better. Oh, for sure. It, it, it made me accept my disability for first and foremost, like I accepted it before, but like, I think I had some unresolved issues, of course, you know, and once I got to that experience and went through it and met these people and learned from these people, and I'm still learning from people. And, you know, I, I really think it made me accept my disability. Um, I no longer let it, you know, disable me mentally, I guess I would say. Like, I feel like I was so hung up on what I lost rather than what I gained because yeah. for 10 years, I didn't really gain anything, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I now gained a community. And I think that's where my um, thought process changed. Um, and I'm okay. Like that this happened to me when people are like, I'm so sorry. I was like, don't be sorry. Like, first of all, it's not your fault. But second of all, you know, I've met some amazing people and I wouldn't change this now for anything. The only thing I would change is maybe for a decade, I would have like looked for other people. (laughs) (laughs) That I mean, do you have, do you have, um, like, there are moments where I wish I could get him and walk. Do you have a, do, do you miss that part of your life in any way? Yeah. You know what I, so whenever, I, well, be, so I, whenever I had COVID, I felt like I had that more. So um, most days I don't really think about it. Um, but when I do think about it, you know, for instance, like I use a transfer board and so it's a whole process for me to transfer from one surface to another. And um, not like, you know, other high functioning pairs that just like throw themselves into a chair, like some magical thing they do. Um, I, I, I don't want to risk falling and breaking a leg. Um, so I use not. a transfer board, um, whether they think, and that what's crazy is like, people will shame me for using this transfer board in the community, which is really weird, but whatever, that's a whole nother topic for another day. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, so it's a little bit of a process to like do things and like, I'll like look at the fridge and I'm like, you know, I could really go for a drink right now, but the process of me transferring into this chair, doing all this stuff, getting a drink and then transferring back into my bed, getting comfortable again. I just won't get a drink today. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Oh no, don't dehydrate yourself. Drink, please drink. <laughs> well, you know, that I'm not peeing so much. So, you know. No, pee is good. Don't. <laughs> no. Um, but let's jump into the the reason why you're on Palsy in the Pandemic. And you're on the second episode of this show. This is episode two of season two of what was Quarantine and Chill and is now Palsy in the Pandemic because I got bored and I was like, gonna change his name whatever it's my show so uh you're on episode two i love the name i just love alliteration i was like i have cerebral palsy and palsy and pandemic both start with p let's just go with that yeah it's uh, awesome. um so you you emailed me a couple of weeks ago and we're like i got covid and i have disabilities and i was like wow this is a whole episode right here so um the questions that i would normally ask you the question that i had written down was Tell me about your disabilities and how they have been impacted by COVID. Yeah. So I, like I said, I'm before I got COVID, you know, I feel like most would you view me as a high functioning para, um, you know, again, I'm not like those, a lot of other pairs that just throw themselves in these crazy surfaces and do this, you know, stuff that I'm like, this is some wizardry happening right now. I don't know how they're levitating their body this way. <laughs> I mean, I got some hips on me. I got some thighs. Like maybe that's what's happening on me. I don't know, but um, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a thick grip too. I know. I got I got a belly. I got some stuff going. I understand. I get it. I get I got it. Some junk in this trunk, you know. It's yeah, it's it's yeah. Fun. And so, um, you know, I I don't know how they do that, but anyways, um, I um, I originally felt like I. Um, was okay, you know, with my health and stuff. And I was like, you know, hopefully I don't get this. And I took every precaution as much as I could. I, you know, did what I could to be safe. Um, But, you know, how I ended up getting it was from my father who um, works at a pharmacy. And, you know, obviously people are sick in there coming in, you know, here you go. And, um, we were even wearing masks in the house, but, um, it, it literally was one or two times he was around me for a second and, you know, I ended up getting it. So, and he ended up being in the hospital for a month over it too. And he was healthy before this. So um, apparently it didn't like our DNA over here at Casa de Zablotny. (laughs) 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 Wow. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm and that's hard like first of all being in the hospital for more than a day is horrible yep we we both know this being disabled people we know yep. a long extended hospital stays are like you're the worst um so i'm sorry for your dad being in there for so long it's the worst i hope they had i hope they had free wi-fi or like something he could do so he wasn't bored of his mind well he was so sick um, that he just was like getting annoyed at people calling and texting and, and checking up on him and he just wanted to sleep and he was just not breathing so um, how the virus affected us was with the breathing aspect and um, you know <clears throat> whatever is kind of sort of wrong with you it like amplifies times like 200 um, it, so things that you may forget that you were told like 20 years ago um are now like a really big thing (laughs) and so you know he ended up having all types of issues that you know weren't really issues before this and probably still wouldn't be issues if it wasn't for covid um he's still on oxygen and everything 
as a result of it um with me it hit me in the fact that um so I have neuropathy pain because I have an incomplete injury. So, you know, it's the neuropathy pain kicked up. Like, I can't even tell you uh, what I and was. Just so that, that I understand properly, neuropathy is. So neuropathy is nerve pain. Um, that is, you know, how it feels for me. Like everyone's nerve pain is different, right? Like you can't say oh neuropathy is this and only this so yeah how if typical neuropathy feels for me is like now some people don't experience sunburns but all i can describe it is um is like a sunburn that someone's slapping so like it's just uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean i've had that i had brothers i know what that's that, <laughs> it, that hurt ah, oh no no yeah so like that's a normal day so like for the last 13 years, you know, my brain kind of, you know, got used to that to some degree. Um, and it still hurts. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's a level that you just deal with. Right. Yeah. So like, when this hit, um, I knew I had COVID almost instantly, um, because the symptoms were just so characteristic and I took a nap and woke up and it felt like I had 20 pounds of weight on my chest. And I was like, I have COVID. I know I do fun that's terrifying it, it literally felt like someone took a weight and just placed it on top of my chest and then what's I don't I mean I also have um anxiety and stuff so like <laughs> I've had anxiety attacks where like it's tight in your chest you know and I'm you, giggling because I also have anxiety and so like, like I can imagine how like stressful that would be to be like is it anxiety am I actually dying or is this like what do I gotta do here oh no yeah it was it was um that, that tight chest feeling that you get like from anxiety, you know, if you have that, um, you know, some people don't experience that either. So, um, but there's that tight chest feeling. And then on top of that was that weight. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you said, like, is this really what's going on? And then when I had a low grade fever, I'm like, yeah, I got COVID. Um, so I went and got tested. Sure enough, I, the rapid test came back within five minutes that I had COVID. Um, usually it takes like 15 minutes to process and they're like, yeah, you got COVID. So, um, I just was like, this is crazy. And I actually documented, um, onto my Instagram, the rolling rainbow, um, my journey and my stories. And I actually have them highlighted right now. Um, cause I'm I was sure people go there because that's, I mean, I think, I think it's so we don't, we have, we, I've heard of people talking about how they don't want to get COVID as disabled people. You're the first disabled person that I have talked to that actually has lived through COVID. Yeah, that's and that's why I want people to hear it. And like, I know there's people in this community, our disabled community, that aren't taking it seriously. Oh, me too. And me too, yeah. It, it's driving me crazy. And like, I mean, in this documentation that I took like I'm breaking down crying thinking about people who you know have a lot more significant disabilities than myself that affect their muscles and stuff and I was struggling to breathe and I'm by all accounts quote-unquote healthy you know to what people view me as right so I'm just like this is fucking crazy like you know if this is how it's happening to me this is why our people are dying at such an alarming rate and like it it, it the whole thing just was a complete mindfuck the whole time and like 
I, and again, COVID just attaches to things. So like I have a broken back. So like I, I've told people if I had to go through breaking my back again, getting paralyzed or COVID again, I would pick breaking my back and getting paralyzed again over getting COVID because the pain that I was feeling was so bad. And at least when you break your back, they give you pain management. Not when you have COVID, they're like, oh, suffer it out there, have fun. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't breathe and I'm in pain. And I couldn't even, I was so weak. I couldn't even pick up my legs to roll. Nothing like, wow. Were you, did you have to be hospitalized? I went to the ER and that's a part of ableism. I just, I I have an example and another question, but I went to the ER and they literally treated me like shit. Um, Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not surprised at all, but oh no. So shocking. Right. Um, You know, and I literally like how I was being treated. I was like, oh, hell no. You know, like I'd rather die than be treated like this and not be taken. Like they didn't even believe me that I had COVID. They're like, I was like my family doctor. I was like, he was pissed like with the whole thing, but like the whole scenario, the guy was just the nurse, the intake nurse. They were all just being so much just not understanding and they were like well and I was like listen here's the paper that says I have COVID guys and they're like well we need to do our own and I'm like okay and then I went in there saying okay bye so I went in there saying that um you know my oxygen levels are going up and down up and down up and down and like they would get as low as like 88 in some cases and I was struggling to breathe and they, I called them before I went telling them this. They're like, well, you need to come in. If you think you need to come in, we can't tell you that. So I'm like, okay, I guess we, I go in. So my brother took me and they were like, they literally checked my pulse ox for one time. They left the room for an hour. They wouldn't let my brother come in the room with me, even though it's my patient, right? That he could be in the room with me, but they refused that. And they just disappeared for a whole hour. No one there. And I heard the nurse and everyone talking about hunting and, and, you know, um, parties and stuff out in the hallway. And I was like, ew. Um, I'm going to die here anyways. I might as well die at home. Right? <laughs> Fucking hell. Like that just makes my heart. It's so scary. I mean, it we're is. already, we're already afraid of hospitals as disabled people because yep. of the ableism already period. The end period. Yep. And it literally, I just was like, I can't. And like, I, I do, I would probably, like you said, I pretty much have like pretty bad medical PTSD and, and I, just for fun. What hospital is that? <laughs> my local hospital, um, in my town, um, yeah, the name of which Chan Soon Shang medical center. I can't repeat that. Cause I don't, I don't know how to pronounce it. So to the medical center that you just said, Seriously, if anybody works there who listens to this, like, come oh. on the show. We have some discussions to have. <laughs> they, they, they haven't heard the last um, from me. I have been very vocal um, with, I mean, the hospital in general is very inaccessible also. Um, Wait, don't you have like 
a federal law there that would require it to be accessible oh Oh, yeah and i brought it up and you know and i was like y'all i'm done with you you aren't listening this is ridiculous so i'm i'm looking into stuff that's all i'll say (laughs) because this is just you know and that's again another barrier us as disabled people deal with is you know inaccessible medical centers like Mm -hmm. in general and then throw a pandemic on top of that where we have to go and and how would they how would i'm I'm appalled that they would say to you you would show them the paper that says i have covid i need you know i'm concerned help me and their response to you is we need to do our own test yes it was the paper was on my phone i had a picture that i sent to my doctor and i was like this is and he's like we need actual tests on our own i'm like it's right here and then i'm like why don't you ask med express to send it to you then why are you going to send this again like this is stupid and they refused and they were more concerned about that than listening to me saying i have covid my oxygen levels are fluctuating can you please see what's happening they wouldn't even look into that wow and i'm like you know and we, we we've heard so much over the last year Disabled people saying exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. You know, if I get COVID, you're going to kill me. And you know, you're not going to kill me because I have COVID per se. You're going to kill me because of your ableism. That's what's going to kill me. Not so much the COVID or exactly. ableism as ableism adjacent. Wait, COVID adjacent ableism is going to kill you. Not so much the COVID itself. And that's terrifying. Like, yep. it, that's really scary. Um, I just felt like they didn't value my life and they weren't listening to me. And like, you know, I'm sure everyone with a disability listening to this has experienced it at some point that medical care professionals do not freaking listen to us. And we're, we know our body better than they do. And they don't even half the time know our disability or understand it at all. And they're trying to not listen to us and essentially invalidate what we are saying and be like, oh, you're lying. You're full of crap or, you know, whatever. And it's like, why would I lie about having fucking COVID? Like, yeah, I want to, I don't want to die. I don't want to lose my life at 34. Like, and you know, there was somebody in the gay community a couple of weeks ago and all, all of the, the gay men in, I think, New York and like Pittsburgh knew him. He was only 34 and he passed away. And he had done, he had done everything that he was supposed to do, taken all the precautions, was super careful, did everything you're supposed to do. He still got it and he still passed away. Not the same thing, of course, but like no. it can ha- it'll happen no. to anyone. That's the part that like really drives me freaking crazy is hearing these people say like I've heard out of people that I thought cared about me and my community I've heard it out of their mouth saying you know well it's only you know older people and people in nursing homes and you know people I mean they're gonna die somehow anyways and it's like you're gonna die somehow anyways yeah but so are we all like what isn't don't we don't you care about giving people quality of life for a second it's appalling that you wheeled into a medical center and said i have covid at the very least you said i am covid i'm scared please help me figure out what's happening don't they have a duty to make you feel safe period like isn't the hot like and i know how ridiculous it sounds being that i'm disabled too and i've gone into several medical situations trying to feel safe and didn't feel safe at all but like so 
like the hospital is a place we're taught from the time we're young, especially disabled people. We're taught if something's wrong, go to the hospital. Yep. And, and w- the guy essentially yelled at me then for being there. So like I ended up signing myself out AMA no. and he was like, well, why are you doing this? And I'm like, because you have been completely unprofessional to me from the time I walked or from the time I rolled in here and you came in my room. And then he ended up like talking crap about my doctor, my family doctor. Also the moment he came in my room and I said, you know, whatever that is going on between you and my family doctor is just that between you and him. I'm here because I have concerns that are happening and so on the ama um form i literally wrote that he was unprofessional he was like swearing and everything and like the nurse was swearing yes yes the the the, and you know we all know how hospitals work the nurse is the first person you see at intake yes and and he was swearing um up a storm to me and about my family doctor and whatever you know issues he may have had and that's not my concern and i'm like dude and so i wrote it on the paper and he 100% admitted that he did this his supervisor he admitted to it and he was like maybe i was in the wrong maybe i shouldn't have yeah well you still have yet to apologize for your actions towards me and we still why would you let me sit in a room with unsupervised when I'm telling you my oxygen levels are fluctuating? Like what if I would have fell over and like passed out due to lack of, no one would have been there. Like, yeah. And my brother should have been there and they refused to let him in the room as well. And like, that's the thing too, that this pandemic is causing is, you know, a lot of times we as disabled people have, you know, someone go with us to help us transfer, to help us, you know, that just be a support system to be there and, and make us feel more comfortable and to make sure that we are in fact being taken care of in this pandemic now. To be is, our advocates because nobody wants to fucking listen to us is what the problem is. Exactly. And so now this pandemic is causing a divide in that to keep them away from us. So then they can, you know, use their ableism to essentially harm us is what I got from this whole experience. And I'm like, this is so fucked up. Like my mind the whole time was just exploding with like, oh my God, this is so fractured. Like the system was fractured before the pandemic, but it's like just completely broke now. So yeah. And like, it's showing us the cracks in the system that we knew were there, that we've always known were there, that nobody seems to care were there, but are still there. Oh yeah. Yep. It definitely has been, um, I don't know, very eye-opening to me. And, you know, I already knew these things were problems, like you said, but to essentially have it rubbed in your face while you feel like you're going to die is not really, you know, and without your family being there without, you know, it was just like, you know what, I'm just going to go home and I'll die at home. If I'm meant to die, that's how I don't want to deal with this. I don't need to be treated this way. I don't want to deal with this. So, um, by the time I got home, um, it seemed my oxygen levels were kind of going up a little bit more. And my brother's a chiropractor. So he's like a doctor, you know, and even though doctors hate on chiropractors, he's not one of those chiropractors. He actually like, you know, 
is he understands, you know, medical needs as well. Not saying, oh, all things can go to chiropractors, you know, like we can cure, you know, the craziest, you know, issues here. But um, he, he was like, perhaps you just sitting up in the chair um, for that long helped your lungs to expand some to be able to keep your oxygen level up to not be below 90. So um, I felt like crap still, but it wasn't like I was terrified, you know, like I was like, okay, it's, it's not at a dangerous, I mean, 92 is still scary, right? But like, it wasn't in the 80s that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die now. Um, Your oxygen is supposed to be 100 all the time. And sometimes it goes down to like 97, 96, right? Like, that's okay. But anything lower than that, it's like, all right. Yeah, pretty much like anything below 95, it's like, okay. And if it doesn't go right back up to like at least 98, 99, 100, you're like, okay, this there's something up here, right? And yeah. the whole time I had COVID, it was, you know, not at that level. It was going between like 88 to like 95, 94. Um, it, that was the range for two plus weeks that I dealt with. Wow. And so that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so how, how long have you, how long did you have it for? So um, I showed my first symptom on December 17th and um, I went and got tested for a negative result exactly two weeks later. And I did come back negative. Um, I did have residual issues, um, but they were telling me I was no longer contagious. So um, I was like, okay. Um, that makes me, you know, then I can be around like, you know, my family a little bit more, you know? Um, so that is, I had it for about two or two weeks. Then I thought I was slowly getting better. And then at the beginning of February out of the blue, I just started struggling to breathe out of the blue. Um, and it was labored breathing. It was absolutely terrifying. Um, it was, I, I was like, what's happening. And then when I would transfer, my heart felt like it was, um, you know, beating out of my chest. Like I was like, I'm going to have a heart attack and die in this transfer. Holy crap. Like, this is it. I'm dying transferring. This is the big one. Um, and I was like, there's something going on. And obviously we all hear how COVID causes secondary complications afterwards, like two, three months afterwards. And I'm like, here we go. I have a blood clot. I have, who knows what I have, right? Like your brain goes to the worst case scenario, of course. Like, you know, and if you get on Google, you know, you're dead then. (laughs) Like, so don't get on Google um, because your anxiety will kick up to even worse. And that'll- Yeah, Google is danger bay. Like don't- yeah if you're disabled <laughs> never go on google and type in anything you have it's terrifying just don't do it yeah if just you're disabled, don't. please don't google your own disabilities it's really it doesn't make you feel very good don't do it yeah no just just hope for the best everyone <laughs> that's <laughs> google's not the best uh case there but um i ended up having some secondary issues then as a result that i am still dealing with um and it has been absolutely you know it blows the whole thing blows my mind um you know that it this virus wrecks this kind of havoc and people want to deny it 
<laughs> it's it is the most scary that people want to yeah. actually and we were talking about this i think off the air or was it on i don't know but i'll say it again the fact that disabled people out there do not believe that this virus can hurt them is the biggest crack of what the fuck are you doing and so that's part of why i'm glad you're here yeah. because disabled people need to hear from another disabled person that yeah. this shit is real and it's happening to us um so aside from all the medical ableism that you've been dealing with and all the, the bullshit of horrible nurses and i hope you got his name and i hope yes, you finally report because oh wow what an asshole um but is there was there any other ableism you've experienced throughout because we hear we've heard so much over the last year of the rise of ableism due to the pandemic and we kind of touched on that a minute ago but is there any other types of ableism you experienced throughout this period so <clears throat> i took notes you know i love it you, I, you sh- I can I, see in your notepad it's so like extensive it's <laughs> God. yeah i so part of the whole COVID thing is you have I, i'm experiencing brain fog really bad so i wanted to make sure i touched on all the points so people completely understand so the view the the listeners out there um you know, understand again, COVID is affecting brain fog here. So one of the first things when this pandemic hit, one of the first things that I witnessed was obviously the people who refused to wear masks and listen to guidance um, measures. They like, it was straight up refusing. And, you know, I feel that that is an ableist thing to do um, because you- Straight up it is, yes. you, You think you come- I, I call it not me disease. Um, you think that you are fine and it won't be me and you know it won't be my family. It won't be anyone I care about until it is. And um, you know, you can think you're healthy all day long, which I thought I was. Um, you know, but it's still going to affect you to some capacity. And you know, it, you're, it's coming from a place of privilege to deny doing something as simple as wearing a freaking mask like it's not hard and if this is the most oppressed you have felt in your life is wearing a mask you you have no clue and like, you know you have- what if you're disabled and you can't wear a mask because some people can't because of breathing yeah. stuff look look if you're disabled and you can't wear a mask that's great but don't be outside then like yeah yep you have to um you know and while it sucks right like i mean the fact okay so this is how i feel if everyone else was doing their job wearing the mask the people who legitimately can't wear a mask would maybe be a lot more safer but because these other people are refusing to wear a mask these people who legitimately can't wear a mask are now more at risk and everyone wants to use the excuse you know like just like accessible parking abuse right like everyone wants to claim that they are entitled to not wear a mask or entitled to this accessible spot or entitled to their fake service dog of course you're entitled to not wear a mask okay but if like then in doing so don't go outside like i'm not wearing a mask right now and i'm entitled to not wear one but yep. that, I'm not running around the city without a mask on being like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and spreading your germs of that could be COVID to other people. Yeah. like, And that's the part that like, I feel like these people just, you know, 
it's not always about you. It's about the other people out there that are more vulnerable. And again, I think the first thing of ableism I saw and realized was the whole not wearing a mask and not caring about the vulnerable of society. Um, yeah, just not caring. And like, like you know, I, 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 I'm always likened it to this, you know, in the, the scene in like any zombie movie or any disaster movie where the guy's like, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to do the right thing. And then all the people in the movie come together and it's a great moment and the world is saved. And yeah, like this is our moment to do that. And none of us are doing it. Like, What's no. happening? No, and it's like, so, again, it's not like we're asking them to like, you know, climb Mount Kilimanjaro here. Like we're asking you to put on a mask. Like it's not a hard concept for people who can wear masks to wear masks. And, you know, that's the part that really... It, the solution is so simple, you know? And then another thing I noticed that was completely ableist um, were, you know, people legitimately saying, you know, oh, it's just old people and it's just people in nursing homes. Okay, but those people in nursing homes and old people have lives to live too. Like what you're saying is super ableist here. Like, hello. Yeah. Like, ageist and like discriminate just so many things around. and also a lot of people with disabilities who can't get housed end up put in nursing homes so yeah. young people who are like 25 30 with and i know some because i've talked to a bunch of them on the show like so like to say that it's just those people that it's just not fair it's no. just like it's it, just because you are residing in a nursing home doesn't make your life any less worth living yeah. like and that's the part that i'm like oh my gosh and i think society just these nursing homes equal old people like and that you and i both know that's not how it is and again even if it was why are why are these people like why are you okay with them you know dying before they should be right like this is it's mind-blowing and then I think the next thing that was very ableist as this, you know, pandemic progressed was the rhetoric of how this virus isn't real because that's what caused it to spread like wildfire, you know, was that yeah. rhetoric and these people attaching to this rhetoric and um, not believing people who have literally dedicated their lives to help humanity and sacrificed their lives to, to help humanity by knowing how viruses work and you should probably be listening to them <laughs> like, like even listening to you talk over the last little bit i'm listening to your breathing as you talk and i can hear that it's better but there's still you're still labored so like yeah. like it's def it's clear that this is a real thing you really got like it's not, a, it's not you're not we're not playing around here yeah, and before I, I talked to you, I did um, a, a breathing treatment because I knew that I was going to be talking to you. So I know like before I'm talking, I need to do this, you know, breathing treatment or I can't talk. Um, yeah. Time I'm like, it sounds like I'm, you know, very hoarse um, when I talk and stuff. So I mean, you have a sexy throaty thing happening. It's good. It's all right. It's good. <laughs> but, you know, um, I think that rhetoric is what cause more deaths especially here in the u.s you know than anything else and people are you know claiming they're fudging the numbers or they're faking the numbers or you know that the, the amount of 
this is a fake thing is mind blowing. And I'm like, a part of me wonders like, when did it like society get this ego? Like that they know more than like scientists. Like I want to know this. Like It's just so scary that like we have a moment to step up right now and like change humanity for the better because of this thing. And none of us are doing it. The frontline workers are, yeah. Except for that one nurse at that one place you went. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that nurse, there was a story of a nurse a couple of weeks ago with who was, or a couple of months ago, who's gay and who like went to a big party in Puerto Vallarta and got COVID and then like raised money for um, his COVID relief and everybody gave him like thousands of dollars. And then he went back to Puerto Vallarta after and we were all just like, Wait, are what? you out of your mind? Yeah. Yeah, he was a gay nurse. Where he was one of those hot, like, hot, sexy gay nurses that we all, like, swoon over. And then he got COVID, raised money for his COVID relief. They gave him $1,000 for his treatment. He lost a ton of weight. And then he went to Puerto Vallarta and had a party anyway with a whole bunch of other gay guys who didn't care. Wow. That is so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, um. that's... That's the America you live in. That's the America you live in. Hey, listen, I'm not here to say America is the greatest. <laughs> I mean, Canada too. We have our own. Like, since the yeah. pandemic, we have our own. Like, so much racism, so much anti-Asian racism has been happening since this started. So much ableism here that I've seen. Like, we a few months ago, everybody on disability was given automatically 600 bucks as part of as like from the government as like a like you know here's survival and we all went thanks for that i'll use it to live but like where the fuck is universal basic income guys yeah anybody want to get on that where's the ubi that we've all been begging for forever yeah like and why i don't it's very interesting too to hear people like here in um america you know like we're getting these stimulus checks and people are like oh it's not enough and it's like okay, well, people on disability, SSI, make, you know, a little over $700 or whatever it is. If you're lucky, like, if, yeah, you, like, if your if grandma you didn't give you 20 bucks last month, you might get the 700 If she exactly. did, you might get 300 Like, it's you, yeah, you gotta hide that $20 or you're gonna lose it all. Yeah. And, you know, and people expect us to be okay with that. And again, that's ableism at its finest, right? Like, and then what I hear from people in the community as well is, oh, you just have to work harder and, you know, it, it, the system isn't designed to be on forever and you need to get off the system and you will need to work. And like, you know what, if you can do that, that's wonderful. Right. Like, but yeah, employment- I support you if you're able to, yeah. to work, but employment isn't always for everyone. And to put value on a person based on just employment alone is something I have very much um, realized here within, you know, um, the last couple years that if you do not have a job in, you know, this community, people seemingly look at you a certain way. And there are some members of the disability community that just look down on people without employment as being, and it's like, wait, what? like and they put this rhetoric out that you must have a job and it's like no you don't necessarily like not sometimes being disabled is your job that's it like yes like 
Look and at all the stuff you had to do to get ready just for this conversation today. That's a job. Exactly. Like, for me to come ready, for me to get ready for our thing today, which I said to you off the air, I almost canceled because my carrot didn't show up. So like, look at that and all that stuff. Like, you know, that that is a job in itself. And people like, I mean, I, I was able-bodied and now I'm disabled. And like, it takes me, you know, two to three times longer to do the things I did as, you know, an able-bodied individual. And then I'm still supposed to do the same exact thing that able-bodied people are doing with more, with less time in a day. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's not how this works. And, you know, great if you can work great, if you can do it all, but don't put that expectation on every (sighs) single person that you meet because, that's not the reality for everyone. And hearing this rhetoric, it's just like, oh my gosh, people are not saying this in the community because not everyone is able to, and that doesn't make their life not valuable. And, you know, that kind of mindset is like what survival of the fittest mindset here, like is almost what it feels like. And, you know, that's not I thought we lived in like a civilized society where we help one another and care about one another. And, you know, Oh, it's so sweet and cute that you thought that. Cause guess what? <laughs> we, that's not where we live at all. Not no. Even least, no, no, not even a little bit. It's so nice to think that it could be like that, but I know, you know, especially now, like, you know, the true colors of ableism and society have really come out and it's, you know, it's almost really depressing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's extra depressing. It's like there's a, so many problems there. Um, I also wanted to ask you, aside from all the stuff that you've been going through with ableism, and we kind of talked about all that just now, but it, is there, have there been any positive changes to your understanding of disability or the disability experience during this weird time we're in? Yeah, like, I think, you know, the downtime, because, like, as soon as I won Miss Wheelchair Pennsylvania, it was go, 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 and it was right on to the next thing, right on to the next thing, travel, 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 and I never really had time to marinate and everything I took in and learned and whatnot, so it kind of gave me that time to reflect and to really take in what I've learned from others in the community over the last, um, you know, couple years. So I think that was really valuable and important to me. Um, I also, you know, I've been able to do more around my house, trying to clean this mess of a room up some, um, you know, just kind of taking it easier and not, you know, constantly go, 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 um, you know, because, I was exhausted and it really probably wasn't good for me, but, um, you know, it's just when you get, when you get opportunities, you almost sometimes feel obligated to say yes all the time. And, you know, I think what I took from this is I can be more selective in what I do and, you know, take it easier on myself. So I would say that that was something positive that I gained from this. Um, and I think, you know, you start realizing too who actually gives a crap about you and who doesn't because you're not forced to see them in person at things and whatnot. So now they have to make an, an effort 
to contact you and to keep up a friendship that was a friendship maybe of based on convenience. So yeah. it kind of made me see that aspect as well and um, see who truly cares. And I think that that is something, um, you know, <clears throat> important to know. And I also think um, things have become more accessible. Like, you know, some of these meetings that, you know, I was doing in person can actually be done here in my room and not or they can just be an email and we don't have to actually have a meeting. I can do it over an email and then I can get it done. Thanks. Thanks so much. Bye. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So like a part of it, you know, I think that that also is something that's positive that came from it. And then the disabled people who are working, you know, they also learn that they can work remotely now. Um, and I think that was very interesting that came out of this pandemic as well. Um, yeah it was something I was like huh who would I really hope that that never that that's one part of it and I've said this so many times on this part of the show like I never want remote work to come back ever I mean sorry the other way around I never want in-person work to be a mandatory thing ever again yeah if the person wants to do it great but you know I think remote work um, should definitely be an option always so the sad thing was it always was an option we just chose capitalism and said we're not allowed to do that because oh no how do we clock your productivity <laughs> yeah isn't it interesting um how magically they figured it out though you know yeah like um, all of a sudden one day they're like yeah remote we're all just like uh we know hi <laughs> hey We've been waiting for, you know, you guys years. to catch on now for like, ever. 50 years. Hey, what up? At least 30 years. At least 30 years. Yeah. Um, so with the with 2021 still being the pandemic trash fire that it is, <laughs> we have been, last year was all about, oh my God, this virus. This year is like, okay, we're going to have vaccine rollout. Mm-hmm. And we've heard so many people with disabilities saying, you know, we're going to be left behind. We may not get a vaccine and I might not be able to get it. And it, there's been a lot of scare. And also like, what is the vaccine efficacy of like what's out there? Will it work with my disability? We've heard all this stuff, but this year, last year was, Oh my God, a virus. This year is like, okay, we have vaccine. Let's work towards that. What are your overall thoughts as a disabled person who had COVID on a vaccine? Um, and where do you think disabled people will be in the rollout schedule and where do you think they ought to be in the rollout schedule so <clears throat> first off i'm fully vaccinated now um cool yay amazing yes um, um even though i got some shame from people about that because i'm selfish for taking a vaccine when i quote unquote have antibodies which my doctor was like yeah those disappear after 90 days but okay so i'm past 90 days now right like it's <laughs> So I was like, okay, whatever. But um, the state of Pennsylvania is where I live. And I'm super, super grateful that um, people with pre-existing conditions are in the first round of things. Um, so people with disabilities are able to be vaccinated um, at the in the first group. But with that being said, um, I know not every state is like that. And... Um, I am 100% for people getting vaccinated, obviously. 
Um, I understand that it's a choice that is between a person and their doctor, but you know, I, I think people are scared because of the lack of research that they think happened with this thing, but that's not the case. If you actually listen and, you know, go to the CDC site and actually, you know, listen to people who know what they're talking about, um, this vaccine has actually, you know, the, the technology in the vaccine has been around for a while. So this is not some new thing they just magically came up with. Right. So I think that's and even if thing. they did magically come up with it by some magical witchery, you know what? I'd still take it. I'd still be like, all right, sure. Great. A witch made it amazing. I'm, I'm there for it. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> People are so scared of quote unquote, what's in this vaccine. And it's like, okay, first off, have you ever asked about any other vaccine? Probably not. But second I of saw all- the most hilarious meme about that. Just when you were saying like, what's in a vaccine, there is somebody on like gay Twitter or gay Instagram put a picture of like you're worried about what's in the vaccine but on a Friday night you'll take three dicks and yes that's not a problem for you but you're worried about what's in the vaccine yep yep or like you know their food or their drinks like you you know we could go on like you know you'll smoke for for like 30 years but the, the vaccine's a problem yes and that's the part that's like okay like these people are so hung up on what's in it that they are putting this rhetoric out there, this scare stuff out there. And I think, again, that's ableism and very, you know, damaging as a whole to everyone because it is, you know, everyone's being affected by this virus, but, you know, it is definitely affecting people who, you know, have pre existing conditions or underlying conditions and stuff. But, you know, this vaccine is how this is going to help end, right? Like we there, you need to do something. You need to be part of the solution, either, you know, not going out, listening to guidance or wearing a mask or, you know, washing your hands, like getting a vaccine. But these people are just not, you know, they're, they're putting all this stuff out there about this vaccine. And I can say that, you know, the side effects from the vaccine are not, nearly as bad as what I dealt with with COVID like it's nothing compared to what I dealt with with COVID and um you know it was like a couple days of discomfort and it's like okay but you get that with like any vaccine you yeah with the flu vaccine you you get the flu sometimes or you get sick or you get a headache or you get yeah arm soreness yeah like I remember getting a meningitis shot before and it a same thing right like you it's a normal thing to have your body react and it's good when it reacts because that means it's working. So, you know, I think that people need to realize these minor side effects that they're getting from this vaccine are nothing compared to having COVID itself. But then as it pertains to the rollout of it, I know in other states, like I said, you know, maybe other countries. I don't know other countries. You, you'll have to let me know what Canada's up to over there. I but- mean, Ontario, where I live, like, we are, we're fighting to get people vaccinated because we don't know what schedule we're in. And we're fighting to get, you know, where do people with, who receive chronic home care and who have cares, what, that, that's what we're trying to get people to do right now is to realize where do people who don't, because right now they're looking at healthcare workers and they're looking at long-term care, which is like over 80. And yeah. so if you're somewhere in the middle of that and you need care, 
where do you go? And that's what we're looking at right now. Yeah. And I've seen, you know, disability advocates, you know, in California and North Carolina and stuff saying that, you know, apparently people with disabilities are being lumped into the everyone category at the end. Um, And, you know, I do not think that that is okay by any means. Um, I think that everyone should maybe follow Pennsylvania's lead here um, with that. But, um, you know, I believe that people with disabilities should be as close to the front of the line as possible because, you know, like you said, you're go- you have carers coming in and out you know, and you don't know if they're vaccinated. You don't know if they are taking precautions. You don't know that. So why not keep yourself protected from it? Of course. And that's the part that I think people are missing in all this is not realizing the complexity of many disabilities out there. And I mean, over the holidays and right now I have one care who's a friend of mine and does my care and does care for the other people that live here too. He's been off since December 19th, 20th with COVID. And he did the whole month of January off and the whole month of February off because he was like, I'm scared that I'm going to die and I don't want to come into work. And he's just scared. So like, and he took every precaution. He got, he would come do his shift, wear all the stuff, go home, undress, have a shower, do all that. And he did everything you're supposed to do. And he still got it. So like, my hope is my wish is that they would start doing social media campaigns with with disabled people and their caregivers like in a photo spread or in a zoom call or something to say what is this what what will this mean for us because again once i get vaccinated and i'm sure you know like once you get vaccinated we're not going to run out and start doing shit but we're going to be able to start having a little bit of normalcy back in our lives. And that's exciting. I can't wait for that. Like that's, I can't wait to just, to maybe say, hey, want to come over for like five seconds and have lunch? Five seconds. (laughs) They, I've seen um, several of my um, Miss Wheelchair sisters and stuff posting um, since they've been vaccinated now, you know, they're meeting um, relatives that were born, you know, nieces, you know, sister, whatever, you know, that have been born during this pandemic and they never got to meet. So, you know, their family is finally able to come over and they get to meet this family member that's now like one years old, you know, but they didn't get to hold them as a baby, but you know, they're finally getting to see family. They're finally going to like a drive-through and getting fast food and having that for the first time, you know, you're seeing these things that I think the rest of the world took for granted um, and still did despite the pandemic yeah while disabled people kept themselves safe and i don't think the even people in this community that you know are just not understanding of this virus and thinking it's fake you know they are not understanding that these people have sacrificed a whole year of their life so they can stay alive and you know the way it's going we might have to sacrifice another whole year of our lives just to be all right like, exactly. I think things won't be good realistically until 2024. Yep. I'm, I'm with you there. And people are like, don't say that. I'm like, listen, I'd rather live in reality than in, you know, whatever world you're in, because 
the fact of the matter is the more people don't listen, the more this is going to get out of control because there's new, there's these new variants out. And, and the variants started because people didn't, people didn't yep. listen. That's why they got there. And, and each time they announce another variant, I'm like, Oh, there's another booster shot. Oh, there's another booster shot. Yeah. You know, because that's what that means. So, you know, until these variants come to an end and we are vaccinated against them as well, this is going to continue because people are not listening and it, it just it's so frustrating it's not even not they're not they're they're hearing you they're not listening yeah huge, huge difference they hear what you say but they're not putting it into practice and that's what's i think for disabled people who are taking it super vigilant like i haven't i was talking to my mom last night on the phone and she goes what was the last time you just stepped outside and i was like I had to think. I was like, uh, September? And she was like, wow, it's February. And I was like, I know, but so like, we're actually looking into getting me a, a cape that I can wear over my body because putting on a coat for a five minute walk around my my apartment complex feels like way too much work. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get a cape made that I can just drape over my body and go outside to feel like a human for a minute. But that like, that's the sacrifices that we're making. Yep. And I think people are just so selfish nowadays to not realize that, you know, you are, this is your reality and your lived experience, you know, and people apparently don't have the skill these days to put themselves in other people's shoes for like five seconds. Just think about it. Right. And it's, it just, like I said, it's so infuriating and depressing when you really break it down. It like breaks my heart. So what we're saying is disabled people should be the front line of the vaccinations, the front line. Um, I also think that they shouldn't be forced to go anywhere to get a vaccination. The vaccinations should come to them, to them directly, come to their home, have a nurse, put on a thing, give you the vaccination and you're done. That's it. That's, 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 what I want to see. Yes, I think. Um, and I think that's where here in America, even in Pennsylvania, the vaccine rollout is far from perfect. Um, I think that's where they're missing is the, you know, communities that are underserved and, you know, people with disabilities that need, that can't go anywhere, you know, or, or don't want to because of, of the safety. Of, yeah. Yes. And I think they're missing this, this aspect. And I hope something will change um, now that we have a different administration who seemingly is taking it seriously and getting more vaccines out there and there won't be much of a shortage. But um, fingers you know, crossed. Come on, Biden, do the right thing. Come on, Biden, know, do the right I thing. Know. Like you know, it's it's one of those like everyone wants him to do fix everything right now. And I get that he can't, you know, but just please take care of this pandemic. Please take this seriously. Please invest money into saving people's lives. Please do the right thing as it pertains to this, everything else we'll figure out. But right now the previous administration put the rhetoric out there that harmed all these people that killed all these people that gave them complications that gave you them remember a year ago when Trump said hydro clock you know whatever yep. it was hydrochlorine was gonna like save your life and people actually injected it into their veins do you remember that because yeah. i do yes and bleach 
Oh, wow. Remember I that? Forgot, I forgot about the bleach part, but oh, wow. <laughs> yes. And this is where all this, like, all I can think about is, you know, what if we lived in a different reality and Trump would have went up there on day one of all this and said, hey, listen, the American way is the, is protecting our own. And here, wear this Trump 2020 mask. Hey, here, wear an American mask. It's cool. Like, And he actually did the right thing and did that. How insanely different it would be here right now, because these people who follow his every word and statement would be actually listening and this rhetoric wouldn't be out there and it would it would have changed probably so much so much that's simple that's all he needed to do that's all he needed to do and he couldn't even do that and you know and at the beginning when this was you know in china and everything they are like oh well you know we're safe we're safe everything's safe we got it under control we got it under control and then boom everything shut down it's like I thought y'all had this under control. What's going on? The fact on? that Amazon Prime literally had to make a documentary called Under Under Control to talk about exactly what you just said. The fact that they were able to, in a year, make a whole documentary about COVID, which you, and those documentaries, because I've been in a few, usually take like two or three years to, to go anywhere. So the fact that Amazon Prime was able to do a whole documentary in a year just based on literally Trump fucking up America. Yep. Because of COVID. It was like, whoa, my goodness. Um, but let's move on to a, ha- a happier note because Trump's the worst. Um, yes, you're, I'm with you on that one, but hey, you know, other people apparently in this community just love his every word. And oh dear, oh it, it's no, terrifying. Um, <laughs> it's absolutely terrifying. It's the it's the scariest. So within this pandemic, we talked on, on and on the first batch of episodes I did, I talked a lot about isolation and how we as disabled people know how to isolate we know what it's like to be alone we're kind of used to that a lot of us we did it before it was cool um what are your thoughts on self-isolation and kind of being alone and loneliness and then how do you think it's changed from for you from the beginning of the pandemic to now so I definitely had that 100% comfort and sense of comfort that I'm, you know, I've done this before, you know, I've kept to myself, I, you know, whatnot for <clears throat> in the past. And I think I'm like, I'll be fine, you know, and um, as time went on, um, you know, I feel like there was that false sense of security in the summer there for a while. Um, and then, you know, it, it started to affect um I would say, I don't want to say my relationship, but in a way, I guess it was with my family because they weren't coming around as much to visit and hang out and stuff because we didn't want to infect one another. So, you know, before that sense of comfort I had, you know, was my family was still around and that's what I was used to was my family still coming around and stuff. And to be a hundred percent alone, I typically am okay being alone. I mean, I still need assistance. Um, so, you know, as a person with a disability, you can't always hundred percent be alone, but, um, you know, to be in solitude, I think it's valuable, but over time it, it, it can, it can get hard, really hard. 
Yeah. And it, it starts eating you, you overthink things, you start, you're stuck in your head and whatnot. And I think that's kind of, you know, where I started to get was, you know, now I'm having too much time to think about things. Now I'm overanalyzing things. Now I'm, you know, doing all this and, you know, it got, and again, my family's still not around that often, you know, and it still is, I think it's hard. It definitely is hard. And I, but at the same time, I think it's something that, again, we have dealt with in a different regard before. And um, I would say it's the hardest thing I've ever had. Like last year, this time, because last year, right this time was when in Canada, things started to kick off really a lot. Mm -hmm. And so like initially I was like, oh, it's okay. I got this. Like I got, I know how to do this. I'll be okay. But I have to tell you a year on, like I haven't been touched by anybody but caregivers. I haven't seen my mom. I haven't like, yep. sucked a dick in a year. If I'm really super honest, I haven't been the slut that we all know I am inside. And it, it's been so tough in a way that is so much deeper than I think just COVID. There's COVID and then there's disability grief. And yep. both of those things together are like, whoa, I don't know if I'm prepared for this. Yeah. You know, and you make a really good point with that lack of touch thing. Um, I would have to say I'm with you on that one as well, because yeah, you, other than people who help you, you know, you don't have that touch if you're being safe, right? Like, and yeah, I mean, I mean, if you're not being safe, suck all the dicks you want, but like, if you are being safe, you don't want to die because yeah. you suck dick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you can't do a fundraiser like that nurse. <laughs> I mean, I could, but that's horrible. I would never do it. <laughs> yeah, I could see that fundraiser. <laughs> Drew just um, had to suck a dick. And he ended up uh, COVID. Help, like, Andrew, help Andrew suck a dick again. Uh, <laughs> I think no, man, I'm not saying that I will. I'm saying that it's not right that people do that. People don't come for me. I'm making a joke. Yes, this is, we're completely joking here, everyone. <laughs> Um, so, sorry, I cut you off when I made my joke. Oh. So you were saying like touch. Yeah. And, you know, I also really, so like, I just found this community in 2018, 2019, right? Like, so I was finally feeling the sense of belonging and the sense of, you know, accepting my disability in the sense of, you know, community for the first time since my injury occurred and then boom, it's yanked from me. So like, I feel like I really miss, you know, going to events and being around community members because I'm back to, I'm not around people in chairs. I'm not seeing them. Like before that was almost like a weekly thing. I'm seeing someone else in a chair, you know, I'm, you know, networking, I'm, you know, meeting and I'm hanging out and, you know, everyone, you know, in my life almost was like using a chair. And so it's, it's definitely something I'm realizing is affecting me is not seeing and being around other people of the community and um you know virtually of course you know 
it's there, but it, it's just obviously different when you're in person, you know, I think it's a form of almost representation, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's where it helps your mental acceptance of your disability, even the shitty parts of your disability, it still is like, okay, so I'm not the only one, you know, shit my pants today. Cool. You know? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you hit the me. That's like, you, are you speaking directly to me? Cause it feels, that feels like me so hardcore. Like yeah. I shit my pants on the daily. Thank you. IBS. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's like, I get it. I get it. You know, but when you're by yourself, you feel like, oh my gosh, like, why is this happening to me? You know, you, you kind of just really take internalize it in. all of that yeah. way too much. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you're around other people, say at an event and you're like, oh God, I think I'm about to shit my pants. They're like, oh, I already did that today. And then you're like, oh, like everyone <laughs> around you before you find out, like they all shit their pants that day. And you're like, oh, well, I guess this is a normal day. Okay. Important question, Barb. Did you just shit your pants? No, I did not. Not <laughs> it's coming though give me give me like an hour um <laughs> all the laughing might you know cause yeah, it might just get things moving around um um <laughs> uh, so what advice is it somebody who has had covid and is disabled and is going through this what advice would you give to other disabled people going through this right now? Well, I would say, first off, like, listen to guidance. Um, if you're one of those people with a disability and you don't think it's going to affect you um, because you feel that you're healthy, um, think again, because it could. And I don't know about you. Why would you want to roll the dice um, that it could? But you might be one of those people asymptomatic. But the thing is, is you will never know until you get it. Until then, it's a little bit too little too late. And, um, you know, this virus personally has affected my independence, um, which is a huge blow. You Say know, that one more time. It's very important. I heard you, but I just feel like it's really key what you just said. Say it again. Um, this virus really affected my independence, which was a huge blow to me. Um, as a fairly active, you know, paraplegic um, that, you know, prides themselves on being able to do as much as I can on my own. I can no longer do these things um, yet. I'm hoping, you know, maybe as time goes on, I'll get there. But right now I just can't. The pain I'm feeling, the fatigue I'm feeling and the breathing issues I'm feeling I can't, or I'm sleeping for like three days to try and recover from doing like grocery shopping, you know, and it's not a matter of me, you know, making this up for attention. Cause I've been told that, um, it is other disabled folks. Oh yeah. That's been insinuated. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Social media is something, you know what I mean? Wow. People are wild. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and it's just, you know, why would I want to do that? Like, I mean, I was, I would like nothing more than to go back before December 17th and, you know, um, <laughs> go back to that. Right. Like, so it, it's definitely something that, you know, I think people need to realize no matter, you know, what disability you have, even if you don't have a disability and you're listening to this, 
it could affect you. Like, look at my dad, he was fine before this. And now he has all types of crazy issues. And, um, you know, now, Lizzie, I'm guessing he's in his 50s or 60s now. Uh, well, he's 74, but okay. he was still working um, before this and he had no health issues. He had no, he was healthy by all accounts. Um, so that's the part, you know, yeah, he's older, but it was things that probably maybe in another five, 10 years, maybe he would have had issues with, but now it's here right now. And it's like, couldn't we have dealt with it for five, 10 years later, you know? And I think people think, oh, well, it's just going to happen to whoever. And they don't think it'll ever be them. And the thing is it, it can be them. And I'm telling you the pain that is associated with this, the mental distress that is associated with this, the, the, just everything it i i'm gonna be honest i thought you know if i got this i might have some issues but i didn't think it would be this bad because i viewed myself as you know healthy and active healthy enough yeah, yeah yeah and young you know i thought that i would be okay and here i am so you know that's the part that i really want people to understand is you know it's not just the old people it's not just you know people that you know have more severe disabilities than maybe yourself that you view as you know more significant but you know it's and if they do have more significant disabilities than you listeners yep they still deserve to be alive exactly and that's the part that you know people just assume it won't be them. It, it's just these other people and whatever. And it's, you know, when you just see numbers in statistics, it's easy to write that off rather than seeing people's, you know, people, you know, personally and knowing their life and knowing that they had value in this world. You know, when you just see a number, people just are like, yeah, whatever. It's a number, right? Like whatever. But they don't, it's like people somehow detach themselves from those numbers to make themselves feel better about this whole fucking the thing. 500,000 Americans that have died recently in the last year were humans. Exactly. And that's more than all these wars combined that, you know, have happened within our country, you know, well, our country has been part of. So, you know, they are always honoring you know, veterans that have passed away, which I'm not saying they shouldn't, you know, but they're honoring, you know, the people who passed away on 9-11, you know, they honor these other lives that, you know, are also technically numbers, but how come they have a hard time honoring these other lives? Like, why are these lives more worthy of being honored than these other lives? Like, that's what I don't understand because everyone, everyone's lives are worthy. So, I don't understand these people who see 500,000 and go, yeah, whatever. They're going to die anyways. Yeah, well, so everyone's going to die. So like what <laughs> you need to honor life and, you know, to put a value on human life is just, I, I don't understand. Or to not put a value on human. And that's what I meant. <laughs> that's what I meant. Yeah. To I not mean. put a value on human life. That's what I meant. <laughs> but I thought I brain fog um, everyone <laughs> it's totally okay i support your brain fog. i'm i'm here for you i don't support i mean I, I don't support that you have it i support that you're going through it and it's fine but it's important to know that this is a symptom of the covid exactly like 
I'll sit there and I'll think of things and I'm like, I can't think of what I'm trying to say. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I trying to articulate? Like, and it is, it is real. And, um, you know, the fatigue is real on top of it. Like it's all just, you know, but again, all right, we have all these human lives that have now passed away, these people in mourning and grieving now, and, um, you know, dealing with devastation within their own family dynamics from this. Now, there's other people, such as myself and my dad, we have not passed away, thankfully yet, knock on wood, you know, but yeah, I'm not gonna say, you know, you never know, but thankfully nothing has happened. But now, We have these other, you know, significant issues that have surfaced as a result, medical complications, you know, and here in America, we get all these medical bills, you get all this, you know, there's all this added financial burden now as a result of this virus that we had no say in getting because people couldn't listen so now financial burden all this other you know we're dealing with these secondary complications as a result of this and that's people's ableism and ignorance and all of that yep um, and that's why people i'm like this is so crazy that you know people are not listening they're not you know and like if i say like so I went for a test, right? This is the craziest part. I'm like, wait, what? So I went for a test, a pulmonologist test, uh, pulmonary test. Oh my gosh, <laughs> pulmonary test. And, um, you know, they asked me, oh, what do you have going on? And I was like, oh, well, I had COVID back in, you know, December. And I don't know, something's going on now, as I'm guessing as a result. And they're like, well, we can't discuss that because that's, you know, political and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, sir, I don't think it's political. It's political. It's what is what? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I think it's a virus. That's a public health issue. And they were like, yeah, well, if I talk anything about it, then, you know, we get in trouble and, you know, because it's political and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. People complain and then we get in trouble for it. And I'm like, as long as you're just talking about the virus itself and you're not interjecting a political stance in there, then I don't see how this is a political. Even if you interject your political stance, give me the fucking test and I'll see you later. Bye. Yeah, like I don't. I'll say don't, Trump twenty twenty four if it means you can even the test. While, while I'm saying it, like sure, just let me have the test and leave me alone. I just am like sitting there, like wait, what? The whole test, I'm sitting there, like trying to breathe and blow and all this other stuff they're trying to have me do, and I'm sitting sitting there thinking, like, did he really just say, like, when I said, well, I had COVID in December, and then he's like, oh, this is a political statement, and then like whenever I, even on my Facebook page and stuff, like I'll post things and then people get all like riled up about it. And it's like, I'm talking about freaking a virus here. I'm talking about vaccines. I'm talking like, how is this getting people riled up? Like, I am so confused right now how this became so political other than Trump putting all this rhetoric out there. So like, I, why are people like, I just, I can't, my brain can't wrap my my head around. That makes it. Yeah, that makes no sense. Like my, my brother goes, "It's cognitive dissonance. You cannot understand. It just don't. no. It makes no sense." Um. So my last question, because I think I want to I want to hear, I want to end on a happy note. Yeah. My, la- my last question, Barb Zabani, is, what would happen? So when all this is said and done, and what, 
like when we a few months down the line hopefully fingers crossed um when everything is sort of back i want i don't say normal but sort of back to whatever with semblance what we had before <laughs> what accessible thing are you going to want to do right away um well hold on let me see i wrote this down let me check my notes <laughs> okay it. so um you know if the cdc says that you know we reach some type of herd immunity and things are safer and whatnot the things i'm looking most forward to are going to events such as the abilities expo or miss wheelchair america where I can be with my community again. Um, but I don't know how long it's going to be, like you said. <laughs> so. Um, do they have Mr. Gay wheelchair? Because I want to do that. Can we make that a thing? Is it a thing? You, um, you know what? I've been told, like, literally, I've had men say to me, there should be a Mr. Wheelchair. And I'm like, would you be okay wearing a crown and sash? Some of them yes. say other ones say no. 100% I would. Sure. <laughs> and you're like, I'm all about that. Yeah. yeah like, I feel like you you could get you could get someone. Mr. Um, Gay Wheelchair would be, I should start that. That's what that's. You totally should. That would be so epic because I really... I've been told like, cause for a while I was the director of recruitment for Miss Wheelchair America. So I've had, I had people literally say there should be a Mr. Wheelchair America or there should be a Mr. Wheelchair. And I was like, then I, my question is like, well, would you wear a sash and crown? And like I said, some would say yes, some said no. And I'm like, okay, well you'd have to do well, whatever. that. Other Mr. Wheelchair can wear like, like, like you can wear like a, I don't know, a tank top that says Mr. Wheelchair. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, I think, you know, I feel like when it comes to males that use um, wheelchairs, it seems like the community is so focused on adaptive sports. And, and there's like, a toxic, I think there's a toxic yeah. masculinity in those yep. spaces. Yeah, that's really problematic. I'm 100% with you. And I think, you know, that's why I had a shirt made that said disabled men can be femme because I think this whole yeah. like we saw it in that movie murder ball. We saw it like there's there's really such a toxic like yep. raw, raw masculinity bullshit thing that is really gross. But what I'm saying is let's start Mr. Gay wheelchair together. <laughs> yes. I'll be your chair and we'll just figure it out. I have a feeling that Ryan will also be all about this idea. Amazing. Well, let, let, I, I'm just saying. 100% serious. Let me know. And I would love to put it together. I literally think it would be amazing. And then y'all just come to, you know, our, our national event. Or, you know, we'll just do it for the first year because COVID. We'll do like a virtual, virtual like show me why you're the sexiest Mr. Gay Wheelchair 2021. Like, how cool would that be? So um, yours be based on being sexy rather than advocacy like Miss Wheelchair America? Well, I mean, no, of course, you can also do advocacy, but like, like you know, because it's gay and the gays are, the gays love bodies. <laughs> I would also be like, show me why you're hot. Yeah, you gotta, you maybe take your shirt off, you know. Yeah, do some yeah. like strutting around. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Poses, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I can do the gay pose. Self, I've, done, I've done gay porn. I know how to do a gay pose. I can I can do that. It's I, fine. Think, I think you should totally do this. I'm, I'm telling yeah. you. If, Mr. If, gay Wheelchair 2021 or 2022 or whatever it is. 
if no one wants to do it with you, I think we should just crown you that. I mean, I mean <laughs> I'll take it. Then I have no problem with that. It's fine. Um, you amazing, awesome, majestic crown. Then too. Yes. Like or just yeah. just a diamond encrusted dildo. I'm also fine with that. That's it. I, that, you know what? You can go around and you can totally. You know what? A too. diamond encrusted dildo in a wheelchair. That's what I want. <laughs> That's what I want right there. That's what. I Wait, want. you want the dildo to be diamond sitting in the wheelchair? Wheelchair. So like, yeah. still like maybe one of like the Barbie wheelchairs and put it in there. Or- yeah, yeah. Well, I'm thinking it's more like a plaque or whatever, but yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, we need to have it like actually be like a statue. Yeah, you know? like a diamond encrusted wheelchair dildo. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Barb's Botany, on that hilarious tangent note, I loved having you on Palsy in the Pandemic today. Uh, thank you so much for telling us your story and being so real about your experience with, with COVID and disability. I loved chatting with you and I want to talk to you like as a friend off the air because we clearly clicked very well. So I'm all about that. <laughs> I want to thank you for having me on here to tell my story. And I really hope that it reaches one person at least that like maybe they'll be careful maybe they'll think twice maybe you know something I just wanted to have some positive impact of my story I don't want people to you know me to go through this and people to not know you know what could happen you know well it certainly had a positive impact on me so if I am the only person that listens back to this which I which I which I won't be because my show gets like, you know, a thousand a week. So somebody will listen to it for sure. And like, you've definitely made an impact. And, and I want to thank you so much for that. Uh, how do the people listening right now, how do they get a hold of you? They can go to my Instagram page, which is the rolling rainbow. Um, just all together. There's no dots or whatever, just the rolling rainbow. Um, and I'd honestly say, you know, if they want to, I would say my Facebook page, but I have this thing that I don't accept random friend requests. So like following me on Instagram is probably the best case scenario um, because I haven't updated my title holder page on Facebook. So. And when were you the Miss Wheelchair title holder? I I was Miss Wheelchair Pennsylvania 2018. Amazing. And now I'm the president of the state program in Pennsylvania. Amazing. Oh, you can go and follow the Miss Wheelchair Pennsylvania Facebook page and watch what all of our ladies are doing. We're one of the only states that have an ambassador program with ladies actually going and still doing things and, um, you know, getting their platforms out there. Um, Because when I got involved with this organization, I felt um, they, there was a flaw in the system of, you know, you get these women that have, probably been disenfranchised most of their lives up on this stage to compete only for them to possibly lose and then feel like what their platform was wasn't important and most of the time their platform was just as important as the winner and so that's why I created this ambassador program and my vice president has been running it and she's been doing a phenomenal job of empowering these women and helping them to reach their advocacy goals um you know, throughout this pandemic and to keep them engaged um, with disability issues in general. So that's amazing. Um, and that's really good work. 
yeah we're and, trying to educate along the way because i'll be honest i saw the miss wheelchair stuff and i thought is it just pretty disabled people in chairs like yeah. and then like understanding now that it's like an advocacy thing is really yeah. really cool and i really really support that yeah it's, it's not it's and that's my biggest thing is like it's not based on our looks it's not based on anything other than how well we articulate our message and our platform so that is something that I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand about the organization and I mean rightfully so you you hear Ms. Wheelchair and you think pageantry and we are not a pageant we are an advocacy-based competition um, you know and it has changed my life and that's why I'm very much um, you know give back to it as much as I can. I support girls that come after me. Um, you know, that's how I know Ryan, you know, um, she's done. Hi Ryan, you're the best. Hi. hi. <laughs> Brian fan club over here. Um, but you know, she has done phenomenal as Miss Wheelchair Virginia and I'm really proud of her. You know, these, these ladies, you just watch them blossom and there's no other better feeling than to see, um, you know, someone starting out in their advocacy journey and to grow, um, in it and you get to watch it. So I find it very rewarding um, from a leadership standpoint for that. Yay, that's so great. Um, so Barb Zavani, thank you so much for coming on on Palsy in the Pandemic today, uh, part of Disability After Dark. You're great. I loved it. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. All right. You're awesome too. Bye. Bye. I want to thank Barb Zavani for being uh, so honest about her experiences with COVID as a disabled person and for sharing her time with me today. Really, really appreciate it and really, really glad that she's on the mend. I would love to hear from you about your experiences during the pandemic for an, an upcoming episode of Palsy in the Pandemic. And I would love for you to be a guest of mine on this special series. If you want to be a part of Palsy in the Pandemic, you can email us at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com using the subject line Palsy in the Pandemic. And I personally will get back to you about booking you in on the show. But these episodes are really important to me, and I love that a year into this, this life-changing thing for a lot of disabled people, we still have important stories to tell. So hang in there. I'm with you. I know how hard this can be. I'm right there with you. I promise. Thank you for being here and for hanging out. And we will be back tomorrow with a new episode of Disability After Dark. And then, of course, next Friday with a new episode of Palsy in the Pandemic. And then a new episode going forward. And we'll go on like that. But sign up to be a guest for either this show or the main show. I'd love to have you. Thanks, friends. Bye. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021